For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hey everybody, this is Vic Mignogna, voice actor for shows like Dragon Ball Z and Full Metal Alchemist, Bleach, Naruto. Guess what? I'm a geek. I'm a geek just like you. So I want to see you listening to The Geek Show. Hi and welcome to the Geek Show on 104.5 CVFM and this uh, episode is titled Me and My Giant Robot. Yep, uh, we are talking giant robots today uh, and lots of good giant robots there are. Mm. Uh, joining us today are me, Rob. Me, Rob. I found the place this week. Yay! <laughs> well, Chris. And me, Israel. Yes, uh I still think Pop Israel would be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I wouldn't wear the silly outfit though. I just I have just got this image of Israel in like the uh, you know the big white pointy hat. Yeah. But I'm not calling you Papa. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. That could be very bad. Yes, it could be. Um so what's everyone been up to this week? Work and more work. Work and more work. Yeah. Yeah, you do oh, work at the, you do work at like the geeks' ultimate job, though. I do indeed. Yeah, uh, just in case you don't know, Chris works for Forbidden Planet, and so he has access to all of those lovely toys and comics and stuff like that. And there's loads of people out there in uh, Radio Land who are now envious of you. Good, they should be. The <laughs> only job better than that is working for like Toys R Us as a toy tester. Oh, true. One day. <laughs> the look on your face, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like playing with toys. I should be ashamed to say, but when you look after a nine-year-old, it kind of bleeds into your personality. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, do you have, like, the uh, big uh, Lego-type blocks? Mega blocks. Yeah. See, I even know the phrases and the terminology. <laughs> well, the thing is, my nephew, he's six, and he, he loves playing with them, and he's forever 
getting me to build. He's got the he watches this show and it's got this character called Doctor Doofensmurf or something <laughs> like that. Brilliant. I don't know what the, what this show's called, but Whoa. he's forever trying to build this guy's tower, and he he's like, look. Uh, I mean, I'm, t- I'm going to teach a six-year-old the basics of structural engineering yeah. because uh, he's trying to build this tower, but he's like building the tower normally. I'm like, no, you need a good foundation. You need something solid at the bottom so it'll stand up straight. And then he's building it. It's kind of it's just one long thing with a big thing on the top. Right? Okay, in the middle, you need like four blocks in the middle because those are load-bearing blocks. They'll stop it wobbling and falling over. Now he's building them like he's some kind of engineer. <laughs> like brilliant. <laughs> Rob number two. What? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought, I thought I you were never going to answer to that. <laughs> sorry, Rob such number a, three. It was such a good opportunity. Yeah, it I was. Do. Why not? Um, yeah. Uh, before we go into the main show, though, we do have news. Um, leading story: Scientists have created a 3D printed mini human liver. Sounds Why? Awesome. Because well, it's all about uh, it's all about organ transplants, right? If you can create something that is compatible with the human body, then there's less chance of rejection. Um, you know, it's one of those dreams of surgeons and patients who mm-hmm. need uh, you know liver transplants, lung transplants, heart transplants, like that. They you know it's one of their dreams because the waiting lists for organ organ transplants are huge, uh-huh. uh, right? Um, anyway, scientists at uh, Organovo in San Diego have, for the very first time, been able to 3D print a tiny replica of a human liver. It's just half a millimetre deep and four millimetres across. Uh, The mini livers can perform most of the same functions as the larger version hanging out over your gallbladder. Uh, It basically means that these presumably, uh, you know, these tiny little uh, bile makers uh, stand to serve a variety of purposes and ultimately, they may be able to upscale them into a full-size liver. Nice. Now, it does mean some positive news for anyone who is, you know, waiting for a liver transplant. Definitely. They could, you know, turn it, you know, they could head in different directions with other organs. So yeah. it could potentially reduce waiting times. Uh, the question I have, though, is knowing 3D printers as I do, normally they print in plastic. True. You know, I'm curious how that works. There'll be a lot of kind of science in there, but, you know, um, I am curious about the actual science behind this because I love my science. Uh, I'm not sure how they would get from that into something that would be compatible with the human body and not go through the whole rejection thing without using stem cells. Definitely. That would be intriguing. Um, So now it's a race between the people using stem cells to grow a new human liver and the people printing them, (laughs) which sounds very, very weird now that I say it. Something wrong about the term printing though. It yeah. sounds like with some sort of body in a game of uh what was a game called? Postal? No the the <laughs> no, the, uh, the board game where you've got operation. a guy with no clothes on oh, it. Operation. It's like a game yeah. of operation we are the guy in the game of operation and well, that well, just unsettles me something awful. I'll tell you something. Anyone who thinks you can play operation and be a surgeon when you grow up, no, you can't. Because people's noses don't light up when you make a mistake. Yeah. Rob tried. <laughs> Depends how drunk they are. <laughs> I could have sworn I saw a large-scale version of that on the Cleveland show. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, from here, Organovo plans to move in onto the normal-sized organ that uh, could be transplanted into real-life human bodies. Uh, they first have to solve the problem of how to print large branches of uh, blood vessel networks capable of nourishing the entire organ, yeah. which is only a slight complication, pretty major one, I'd say. Um, but... 
things are looking up for anyone on the uh, transplant list. Definitely. Moving on. Tetris curing eye disorders. Now, it sounds weird. You've got a problem with that. I'd say Tetris causes eye disorders. <laughs> yeah, I know. Addicted people, yeah. Uh, bad, that's, bad. What, that's exactly what I thought. But uh, here's the thing. Researchers from Canada's McGill University have found that Tetris and, you know, presumably some other games like Tetris, teach the eyes how to work together in, in harmony. So, you know, um, if you are suffering from lazy eye, for example, you don't need to cover one eye uh, in order for the other one to catch up. You can basically play Tetris for hours on end and eventually they'll work in harmony. That's what they say. Tetris. Sorry? I need to play Tetris more often. <laughs> I got the laziest device. Yeah, I mean, what they've sh- what they've done tests on this, and they've shown that playing Tetris worked better at fixing lazy eyes than the traditional method of you know covering one eye. Uh, the test asked students to play Tetris for an hour a day while wearing special goggles. There's always something um, that let one eye see the falling bricks and the other pile uh, the pile of debris that accumulates at the bottom of the screen. And this is how they're doing it, and it, you know, encouraging results for anyone suffering from lazy eye. Um, so yeah, what's his face who does good news? He uh, might be in luck. <laughs> Definitely, he's pretty much cured it though, Russell Howard. Yeah, Russell Howard. He's not so bad now. Well, he likes to make fun of it as well, which uh, I quite, which is what I quite like about him. He's not afraid to you know poke uh, you know poke humor at himself. Well, to be honest, he wouldn't really be much of a comedian if he couldn't poke fun at himself. Yeah, he'd be pretty terrible, in fact. <laughs> this is true. A, sen- a comedian without a sense of humor. <laughs> You make a, a display in a museum for stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Secret to comedy, don't try to be funny. Absolutely. <laughs> it sounds totally <dumb>. weird. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. This story caught my attention yesterday, but Israel reminded me of it today. Right, you know I love my retro games and retro console, consoles. Yep. Right. This is possibly the rarest console in the world. Only two of them exist. Sega only made two. And they're both prototypes. Um, it's called the Pluto. And one one Sega employee made the claim that he had one, right? Which is fine. But then someone else came forward and said he bought one from a car boot sale for a pound. Wow. Now, the last time I looked, the, uh, it had three bids on it. And the third bid was $7,600. It's one lucky guy. And it's still got days left on it. Take that bargain hunt. Yeah, I know. I'm like, you bought this for a pound from a, a, from a car boot sale, you jammy. <laughs> yeah. Best thing I ever best thing I ever found at car boot sale was a CD32 I bought for a fiver with a stack of games. Made like five six hundred quid off it yeah. by splitting mm-hmm. everything up and selling them off. I mean, the games were selling for like thirty fifty quid. I'm like, fine by me. Nice. Yeah. Our life began in car boot sales. <laughs> yes, I know. It's like the microcosm. Do you know what the the weird thing is? Car boot car boot sales. They do. They've, somebody's doing some research into this about how car boot sales in different parts of the world actually reflect the society in that country. Wow, <laughs> and it's really weird, but it's so accurate as well. Yeah, it's the internet. It needs its grandparent, however. A- Getting its grandparent to be just bend it over its knee and slap its bottom for being naughty. <laughs> like what would the getting this grandparent be at? I'm not quite sure. Uh, the, uh, well, it's interesting you say that because some other there's uh, some other research being done right now into the fu- into. I mean, you know about futurism and stuff like that. 
people have started saying that in like 20, 30 years time when they look back on this age, when they look back on the information age, they're going to be kind of, they're going to treat it as like the dark ages. Wow. <laughs> like, well, yeah, they always do when yeah. civilization progresses. Um, anyway, um, back to this, the Sega Pluto, only two of them exist. Um, they were produced for internal evaluation and they were supposed to wow the gaming world. It was basically a Sega Saturn and a modem put into the same box rather than having them separate. It was the precursor to the Dreamcast. Um, there's not much really that's you know wowing uh, wow, uh, to wow people even at that time because you could just buy a modem for a Saturn and have the same thing. But as a piece of ga- uh, gaming history, it's something that collectors all over the world are after. Yeah, bet the guy who sold it for a pound is kicking himself. No, uh, yeah, he probably is. The guy who bought for a pound, he's loving every minute of it. (laughs) Is there actually any games that are playable on it? It's more of a relic or or an icon of history, I think, than a game thing to play. It's one of those things that you you treat it as a status thing because you can walk up to any games collector and say, I own a Sega Pluto, Pluto. what the hell have you got? You could have the entire history of games, but you don't have that, do you? Do you? Do you? It's a good argument, but what's the point if you can't use it? It's lording it over people. That's what the point of collectors is. Oh yeah, I went there. Yeah, (laughs) you did. (laughs) You did it yourself. (laughs) That was a very maniacal laugh, Rob. Yes, it was. I've been practicing. (laughs) In the mirror. (laughs) Every morning, I give it a laugh. You know, uh, I tried doing I'm that. Tr- I'm gonna, Whoa, I tried to finish that work. sentence for you, but it's not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> keep that. Keep those inappropriate thoughts because there are two inappropriate stories at the end for WTF. Um, a new bit here, just called "Me Want," right? Um, and this bit is for things that we come across that mm. we just. You know, we, we fall in love with immediately. Yeah, this is This brilliant. one is the Predator Crash Helmet, right? Now, uh, a company... Uh, uh, where's the name? Yeah, um, anyway. A company have decided that they want to make motorcycle helmets look cooler. And so they have cre- developed this Predator Helmet. It's built on an actual motorcycle helmet, so it's pro- uh, properly safety rated. Um, but it's been enhanced with a sculpted outer shell, dreadlocks mullet, and even a tri-laser scope. Right, now... I think the term Predator is very accurate as in the Predator of the movies. The Predator movie. Yeah. Take a look. Yeah, it's terrible. (laughs) I still want one. (laughs) That says a lot about you, Rob. If you want to look like Predator on a motorbike... When you're actually a middle-aged guy with a bit of actually, a Actually, no. I don't want to look like Predator on a motorbike. I want to look like Predator on a Vespa. I want to look like I want a little scooter <laughs> Predator crash helmet on it. <laughs> just go around the Just go around, around Middlesbrough going, yeah, yeah, mess with me. That's not a, Predator on a bus, that'd be brilliant. Just get on a bus, full, well... The headdress of the Predator on. Oh, it would be... You would weird no, people out. It would, but imagine if everyone on the bus was already wearing them and you got on. <laughs> One of these Twilight Zone moments. Hang exactly. on a minute. Is wow. that what I thought I saw? Yeah. Okay. Do you know, this would be, these crash helmets would be brilliant at, like, uh, sci-fi conventions because you could have, you know, them wearing, like, different outfits like Beach Predator and, yeah. you know, Business Predator. Patrick's pres- <laughs> Predator. <laughs> Chris is laughing. 
I can see it in my mind. Hello. About these uh, these predator helmets, though. I imagine they go for quite a lot of money. Um, they're about five hundred and ten pounds with free worldwide shipping, and it guarantees even ve- you know. Uh, and they're uh, they have a hyper realistic airbrushed finish, and you know. Its uh, optional add-ons also include uh, carbon fiber outer shell and tiny metal spears on the end of the dreadlocks. Nice. So, yeah, yeah, because it sounds like a brilliant idea. <laughs> Someone on the Kawasaki Ninja with flipping like spikes at the end of the. Uh... Yeah, Just I know. Feel bad for the person sitting behind them, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they like... might be wearing a predator helmet. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better mm. hope they are. Do you know? You ever watch motorbike motorbike racing? I would love to see one of those <laughs> wearing that. That would be amazing. With, like, Kawasaki branded across it. I just think everything would stop while this one guy just rides around. Yeah, everyone would get out of the way. Oh, definitely. The Predator, they cover themselves in mud. Right. Anyway, back to inappropriate thoughts. <laughs> right. This WTF award is called Ribbed for Your Pleasure. And there's a reason why it's called that. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Um... <laughs> I have no idea why they came up with this. They cost eleven ninety nine, and they will get you a pack of three phone condoms. I need them now. Uh, <laughs> Rob I, I, just I, I, woke up. I'm not touching that. <laughs> Rob just woke up. Not touching that with a 50-foot barge pole. Right. The, uh, the bakers are calling them the smartphone sheath. <laughs> it just gets worse. <laughs> oh, God. It's a thin, flexible condom for your phone that adds a layer of water resistance uh, to you know, to whatever mobile phone you've got. Now, uh, the question I've got is why, <laughs> why, why, why? You've got perfectly good cases that you can buy that are waterproof already. Yeah. Why on earth would you pay eleven? Ni- and they cost less than eleven ninety nine. Why on earth would you pay eleven ninety nine for something like that? <laughs> and Rob's diplomatically n- refusing to answer over there. But he did get his mobile phone out to check it. And just clean the screen. <laughs> oh dear. It's a minefield that I'm not touching. <laughs> um, oh <my> <laughs> it's. <laughs> Seriously, why? Who comes up with these ideas? And yeah, there is the Tenga guy in Japan listening right now. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's this isn't as bad as the other story that I didn't put in because it was just going a bit too far. Oh, and man. it's all about vibrating underwear. That sounds even better. Made by Durex. <laughs> then we should get some free But samples. we won't go there. Anyway, um, what do you guys think oh, about this up? whole idea? Phone, uh, the uh, smartphone sheath. I want one. <laughs> yeah. oh dear. I want one. For all situations. You do, I mean, but they are going to go down that route, though. They are going to start adding, like, colours and maybe flavours as well and stuff like Flavor, that. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> Rob's really trying hard yeah. not to say <laughs> Rob's uh, just going to walk out I'm going to be the grown up in this room so I'm not going to say anything <laughs> as much as it's killing him not to <laughs> no you can see the skeleton on his face I'll go in the dark <laughs> <laughs> we knew that yeah use the force Rob <laughs> no 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 that, was, that wasn't me that was other Rob <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. Martian graffiti. Now, NASA, I don't know if you've seen this, some bright spark at NASA decided to deface the surface of Mars with the Mars rover. Um, you know, 
It's uh, you know this is uh, this is just goes to show that you can spend billions of dollars to go explore explore another planet, but there'll always be one or two jokers in the bunch. Um, they say it was an accident. They say it's completely accidental and it wasn't intentional. But somehow they managed to make the rover draw a giant on Mars. Um, that whistle didn't work. Giant. Uh, let's see. Would you like to see it, folks? I want to see this. There it is. <laughs> it's so big. <laughs> it puts Banksy's work to shame. <laughs> no. Rob's refusing to come in again. <laughs> Especially like there the are, tip and the extra bit that goes with it. Yeah, there are, those are the tracks leading off into the distance, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Growing up in the room. Not saying a thing. I mean, there are various names for this uh, thing. Let's put it like that. Um, and you usually see them drawn on toilet doors and stuff like that. Or on the back of like a teenager's, uh, so. a teenager's school workbook. Or on the side of someone's face who's the first to pass out at a house party. Yeah, there is that as well. You could use this. Oh. <laughs> you could have, like, exploitation movies, love truncheons from Mars. Let us say. <laughs> Not going any further. <laughs> nice. I am sorry, listeners. I am ashamed of myself. <laughs> and so you should be. Yeah, My um, opinions do not represent the geek show, but CBFM, I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, uh, someone at NASA has a uh, sense of humour, <laughs> but why? No, I mean, uh, at least it's not like the Great Wall, and you can see it from space. Imagine you if- can't. You can't see that from space. That's a common misconception. So just yeah, get in true, there. very true. Um, can you imagine though if you could spot that using a telescope from Earth? I, I would probably cry and laugh a little bit at the same time. It's like something Vash the Stampede would do if he's feeling a bit cheeky. And uh, he didn't do, like, the crab retreat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sideways! <laughs> I think that's it for the news, though. Yeah, that is it for the news. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Be- before we but- do go into the break, though, I did ask the question on Twitter uh, for people's favourites. Uh, robots from geek culture, really. And we only got one reply. Uh, I don't know if I'm murdering his name by sanity, but Mark Van der Laan. Yes. Belsamel, is that? Uh, what? Belsamel? Yeah. He said, I've always had a soft spot for the grunting of giant robo." And the manly trio, trio of Getter Robo. And he followed it up by saying, okay, that already sounded more wrong than it should have been. <laughs> in the so thanks for that, Mark. <laughs> we ask him more questions like that on Twitter when we've got uh, themes that ask yes. for it, really. Yeah, um, but do uh, let us know on Twitter who your favourite robot is. That's TGS underscore The Geek Show. Oh, just hashtag The Geek Show? Yes. Good day, I'm Graham Stark. And I'm Kathleen Devere. From the internet comedy powerhouse, Loading Ready Run. And you're listening to The Geek Show. We're talking about giant robots. Me and my giant robot, in fact. And that is not a euphemism. It's always <laughs> a euphemism with your show names. Yeah. Insatiable, Rob. Uh, not insatiable. Hey, Tucky, how you doing? Nice to see you again. Um, Tucky says, fave giant robots, Gurren Lagan, Vox from La- uh, Lagrange, and uh, Death Scythe. Interesting choice. Uh, yes. So, yeah, keep tweeting us with your favourite giant robots. We're talking movies now, though. Um, right, robots. Why are people fascinated by giant robots especially? Not so much the robots themselves. I wouldn't say fascinated, because uh, I did a bit of research before coming here, and to be honest, the number of giant robot movies. Yeah. Not that big, there's giant robots in movies. Yeah. 
But more of a point is giant robot movies, Transformers, that's sort of the... Pacific Rim, Transformers, that's... Well, a, I wouldn't well, say... Uh, Pacific Rim? Pacific yeah. Rim's not out yet, but Transformers is kind of the thing that everybody sort of hangs on to as the thing with giant robots. Robots knocking the hell out of each other. Yeah. And terrible movies, just... God. I, mean, I, I cry myself to sleep after watching those, they were awful. Aside from... Off, oh. Sorry? They're making a fourth Transformers. Yeah. Is Sheila Booth's not that in it? the worst news. Is Sheila Booth not in it? No, I've got Mark Wahlberg, who's just one of the most likeable guys. He is. He's lovely. I love that line that he did on Top Gear, where he's talking about, you know, Tom Cruise, and he was like, we go to different churches. I'm not the one with Jesus, baby. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm not really going to say that, because they're not people you want to rub the wrong way. Uh, Scientologists. Yes. I took a personality test with them uh, when I was living in London. And they hounded me and my... I put down a different address. My brother put down my address. And they started hounding us. Brilliant. (laughs) Yes. Anything that has... That calls itself as Church of Science. Are you suggesting Scientologists are giant robots? No. But there may be robots among them. Okay, well... Back to the topic. Yes. Uh, I, to be honest, I actually do think people are fascinated by the whole idea of robots in general, especially yeah. the bigger ones, the, uh, the, like the Transformers and that, or like the, ter- you know, the big Terminators. I mean, obviously, the small Terminators are quite terrifying. Well, you say the big Terminators, it's like a, a cutaway shot into a, like a number two and number three. They're not exactly a big pair. Yeah, blink and you miss it cameo. Yeah, uh, they mainly focus on the smaller Terminators because they look more human than, you know, in which case, you know, ergo they're scarier, which is what they were aiming for. But, uh, you know, but the bigger robots, people are fascinated by the whole idea of just something mammoth and, you know, artificial, but, you know, is either trying to kill you or trying Mm. to save you. Don't agree, but it's your opinion. Yeah, this is what I think. That's why I said, what about you guys? I don't think it's a fascination at all. But there is... Well, I've got a fascination with the people who are making them rather than the actual thing that this is a giant robot. It's destructive and great and... Oh, look at it, punch that other giant robot. More in the sense that uh, I'm more interested in what people do with them. As use them as sort of the framing for another filmmaker. Guillermo del Toro, Pacific Rim. Big fan of Guillermo del Toro. It's not going to be about giant robots. That's not the thing. It's about uh, the end of the world, really, and yeah. these things coming from the bottom of the ocean, like Chitulu and all this stuff, and just the war between humanity and the gods, basically, through right, giant robots. Yeah. Stuff yeah. like that, which is a bit more inventive, and the same with, uh, what's it called, District 9, that's not about giant robots, yes, it's got a cool giant robot sequence. Yeah. Uh, what else? Just stuff like that, stuff which has, because when it's about stuff like giant robots, it tends to be a bit dunderheaded. Uh, like Transformers. Yeah. Because it is, we've got giant robots. Let's have them knock the hell out of each other. It doesn't yeah. matter why, just as long as they knock the hell out of each other. This is and that's that's what I've got a problem with, really. It's not exclusive of the giant robots, but we are talking about it, so... Yeah. If you open it up to uh, robots in general, though, people get fascinated by the artificial um, life with... Um, is it, like you were saying to me about how, how you apply it... Um, yeah, not, not not necessarily massive robots, but like we've talked about stuff like um, scientists trying to develop stuff like um, software, which which is like a, a, a computer which like works independently and stuff like that. And, and that that sort of thing will attract people. Obviously, I mean, I mean, uh, I think with the giant robots thing, because um, they have done research now and they have found that we act, humans actually have empathy with robots in the same way we have empathy with, say, a household pet. 
Uh, it's really weird because one's artificial and the other one's just completely biological. Humanoid, I think, would be more. Yeah. If it's just a, a giant thing, I mean, if it was human like, shapes, so. if, if, if we don't, uh, this is the, this is the thing. You're absolutely right. It is because of the humanoid shape. Um, you know those little uh, Roombas, the uh, robotic Hoovers. They don't really empathise with them as much as they do. Well, it's not just the uh, humanoid; it's the animal shaped ones as well. Well, yeah. You know, uh, except, for that, except for that one that bullies rats. Nobody <laughs> likes him. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Rats are horrible. Uh, yeah, but I think it's more the uh, more that we can start empathising with them if they're in a kind of biological shape, like the Transformers. Everybody loved the Transformers when, as a cartoon, you know. But then Michael Bay destroyed it. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, you know, um, and now people are just like, well, I prefer Megatron to Optimus Prime because I couldn't even tell who was who. Well, that's the thing. It's like shard of steel, like fighting each other. It wasn't that visually exciting. Either. Michael Bay. Yeah. What about that real steel movie, no, Rock and Sock and Robots? It was actually better. It had some huge leaps in logic in the final act, but yeah, sort of. It's basically a father and son parable there. Yeah. And that's interesting enough, and it's Rock and Sock and Robots, so yeah. it it's got some. It's a lot better than Transformers. Yeah. Um, so much better. Okay then. Uh, there is a difference, though, between mechs and robots. We'll talk more about that in the animation section because we do have a valid question there. But in terms of mechs, we're talking piloted robots. What movie mech would you like to own? You really have to ask that question. Yes. District 9, all the way. But that turns you into an alien. I don't care. Have you seen it? <laughs> <laughs> I could blow stuff up. That would be so much fun. But you can do that with the mechs from Avatar. Yeah, but it's Avatar. Yeah, this is true. Avatar's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> Bloody <laughs> invasion of the planet Smurfs. Pocahontas Smurf in space. Yeah, it's terrible. Movie. It's terrible. Oh, uh, no, 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 I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> the mechs from Avatar, though, are, are, are sort of taken off from the Dreadnoughts in a Warhammer. Whereas the Dreadnoughts and Warhammer have like living entities inside of them. It's like the, the souls of the soldier. Are you suggesting James Cameron stole ideas off someone? No. Yes. Oh my <laughs> word, this is, this yes. is, oh, I'm going too far here. <laughs> yes. uh, 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 right, in, in Bengali, we, we call Thief Chor, so, you know, um, what happens usually is that, you know, if somebody shouts it, then you'll get like 50 people chasing this one, one poor guy who may have just stolen an apple. Right, and then or you'll have like a hundred people chasing him, and then it'll just multiply, and everyone will be shouting, "George, George, George!" I, I have this mental image of Cameron, uh, of James Cameron. That is not David Cameron. James Cameron <laughs> running, are, running, clutching the script of Avatar. Yeah, <laughs> while there's like all these people behind him. Let's make that happen. It's how the marathon was invented. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Hundreds of people running after somebody. Everybody else, though, what mech would you like to warn? I've said mine, District 9. I'm looking forward to his follow-up as well, uh, Elysium. Um, everybody else, what mechs would you own? I would own uh, Gundam Exia. Movies? Movie mech. Oh, movie. Yeah, Exia. Exia? Yeah, the Gundam Double uh, O became a movie, didn't it? Oh, yeah, it did. And it's also getting a sequel, I believe. Yes. <laughs> Rob has no clue. <laughs> what about you? Sounds pretty though. <laughs> it is good. Um, Mac, I'd go with War Machine. 
war machine. Yeah. Well, that's more of a powered suit than an actual mm. mech, isn't it? Well, what's the difference? Well, you're getting still... into the sort of minutiae of the definition there. I don't think it's well, worth Well, no, there into. is actually a difference between I know, the two. but it's, it's... A powered suit is basically personal armour that is just uh, slightly bigger than you. Yeah. Um, a, uh, where, you know, uh, whereas a mech is basically uh, something much bigger. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Still sounds pretty good though to watch. Yeah. To be fair, to, it's, it's on the same line. Iron Patriot though, it's called now. Oh no! It's a it's a yeah. gag in there. That looks great. It's, it's a gag. It's the hot face figure looks amazing as well. Yeah. Um, for me, and I'm amazed you guys never said anything like this. I go for like uh, a Scout Walker or a or an Atat. Yeah. You, you can't really say that anymore though, because Star Wars is just it's basically soiled itself. Yeah. All over the place. Oh yeah, but the Scout Walker is still a gl- a glorious piece of equipment. Nah, no, I feel dirty even talking about Star Wars anymore. Okay, mm. then if you don't like that, then I'm gonna go for the Lord uh, for the Lorder from Aliens. Obvious answer. Come on, keep him coming. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Think outside the box. Think outside the box. Yeah. But those are my two favourites. Those are the, I'd love to have like a Scout Walker packed outside my house in Southbank. One stay there, lad. <laughs> They're taking the legs off and put on bricks. Now, can you, ma- can you imagine it just have like a bike chair around it? <laughs> well, they've taken the legs and you know replaced them with bricks. Yeah, yeah, it's just resting on bricks. I'd love to see that just walk past and just see it just tied up with a bike chair. <laughs> so yeah, we've got our uh, our answers. So we go into some music now and uh, we return with very, a... well. No, we've got two more bits, have we? Yes. Uh, what movie robot? Would you like to be friends with Johnny Five? Yes, uh, you find no disagreement from me. Yeah. He might not be a giant robot, but he is by far and away the friendliest one. Yeah, yeah, he could read books for me as well, really fast, and tell me whether they're worth the effort. With five hundred megabytes of hard drive space. Yes, it's so big. This is like the nineteen eighties we're talking about. I think it's the first one as well. The second one was pretty. Yeah. It's a short circuit for people who are too young to know about it. But yeah, Johnny Five. Johnny Five is alive. Yes. Number five. What about you guys? You can say R2-D2 if you want, or C-3PO. Can't remember the name of him, but he had a bandana on. He had a bandana. He had a bandana. I can't remember the name of him. It was like really old film. Can't remember. He had like a little bandana around his neck, big massive. He looked like a Wally, but bigger. It was a live action film. Wally! I'm going to say Wally instead. Old Wally. <laughs> Wally's great grandfather. You know Astro Boy. I like Astro Boy. That's not a spot for him. You could say Astro Boy. He was in a movie. Well, he was indeed. Bad uh, movie, but yeah, he was yeah, in it. It was pretty bad. No, I'm going to say Wally. I, I, I think Wally. No, actually, no, no, no. I'm going to go for the giant from Iron Giant. Yes. That My a ultimate spot for friend. Hey? Touches a soft spot for everyone, doesn't oh, yeah. it? What about you, Israel? <laughs> um. <laughs> I've got one for a TV program, but not really a film. Um, I was thinking on the lines with uh, with a replicator from um, Stargate SG One. Hmm. Basically, just morph into anything. Nice. But d- d- they don't. I, I thought you were going to go for like the last who was like the queen of the replicators for a second there. <laughs> I was going to say, hmm, interest, no, cause, interesting, interesting. No, it's with robots, eh? <laughs> no, because the replicators just like turn into Amanda Tatlin. Okay, uh, fair enough. 
Right, very, very, very quick pick of the geek, then your favourite movie with giant robots or mechs. Very quickly. Iron Giant. Has to be. Mm. Just has to be. I can't even think of one. I have to agree with the Iron Giant. Anything that isn't the Transformers. Well, actually, the 80s uh, animated film. Which one? Oh, yes, Transformers the movie. Yeah, that was excellent. Okay. all about, and the music, the soundtrack was the best. Stan Bush. You got the touch. <laughs> I might play that later. Oh, dude. <laughs> you will are not. You seriously are not. Just move on. <laughs> you don't own me. Yes, I do. I don't see no rings on these fingers. Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, dear. Onion rings. <laughs> <laughs> Have we, uh, everybody made their choice? Hi, I'm Destiny Blue, the anime artist, and I like drawing and the geek show, which you are currently listening to. And this is our short episode about giant robots. And for any listeners that tuned in two weeks ago, we announced a com- competition. Where Super Games World. Yeah, from Super Games World. that kindly donated us uh, a, a bag. A bag full of lots of prizes. Absolutely. And um, all you have to had to do was send in your name and your address um, to studio at thegeekshow.co.uk and for anyone that's not had the chance to enter you, you've got until half past seven tonight. And yep. I've got a very quick rundown of the prizes uh, uh, the, of what's in this goodie bag. A double-sided A2 poster of Grand Theft Auto V, a Grindhouse-style poster of Anna Williams from Tech Attack, Tech and Tag Tournament 2, a large Mario keyring, an Animal Crossing capsule toy, three cosplaying Sackboy keyrings. Um, one of them is Drake from uh, Uncharted. Nice. And the other two, I can't remember who they are. Uh, a pack of Saints Row playing cards, two packs of Gorgos, a Star Wars wa- uh, wind-up walking wobbler wookie. Try saying that fast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, four Yu-Gi-Oh cards that have been randomly chosen an Xbox, th- Xbox 360 t-shirt and a miniature of Disgaea, F- Disgaea 4's uh, Fuka Kazamatsuri so we will be announcing when are we announcing them? Uh, the winner will be announced uh, at the end of the show but you closing, di- closing time for the competition is half past seven if you don't have your entries in get them in now and a reminder, all you have to do is send your name and your address to studio at thegeekshow.co.uk. Hmm. And Harry's just posted gaming colour. So, uh, looks like an interesting post. We'll catch up with that uh, in a bit. Anyway, um, moving on. We're in the game section. Uh-huh. Right. Jo- uh, robot games, there's obviously Transformers, right? Uh, and maybe the uh, Wally game and stuff like that. Yeah. There aren't that many robot-based games. Mech games, there are more of them. You know, you've got Armored Core, you've got uh, Front Mission, you've got Zone of the Enders, um, uh, a few, a Mech Warrior, obviously, and if you uh, and you know Mech Assault, Mech Warrior, basically for a cut from the same cloth, yeah. uh, and the uh, Hawken, which is coming out, uh, I hope this year, but they're not really that popular. They're not really as popular as say other genres of game. You know why? The more niche. Hmm. Simple as that. But I mean, even, even you know, even something like Ace Combat is more popular than uh, you know. Yeah, and that's really the not game com- with next. That's really not popular either. Not in this country, or the West, really. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the weird thing is, Front Mission tried doing the whole RPG RPG bit with the uh, with Mechs. You know, um, the Front Mission franchise has always done stuff like that. But Mechs themselves, robots themselves, they're not really popular. Mm. You know? and given that we actually, you know, we do kind of like our robots but we yeah. don't like playing them 
And yet, if you walk down the street and you say, you know, would you like to own a robot? A lot of people will say, yeah. I think it's a cultural thing. Robots have always been more embraced by Eastern culture, Japan in particular. Not really a thing over here. It only took a sort of Transformers, really, not the Michael Bay stuff, more the 80s cartoon and comic that sort of propelled them into the main, or something new in the mainstream. And even then, it's not on a scale where somebody could think, yeah, I want to play as that. It's just do you think this it big, has, huge yeah. thing. Do you think it has something to do with the, the fact that historically, in movies especially, I mean, we are, we are kind of going back to the movies a bit, but yeah. this, I'll explain. Um, for things like uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, with yeah. the robot from there, and then you've got the robot from The Forbidden Planet. Um, you've got uh, What's-His-Face from uh, the TV series Lost in Space, you know, Danger Will Robinson. Western context it's not really uh, celebrated as something that's got a personality or something that it's always been this like, cold kind of machine yeah. uh, cold machine that doesn't understand humans and then we had terminator it's not an appealing thing for a game to be based around i think terminator was a game the first yeah it was back, like, it, it, it's 2d side scrolling yeah, platformer yes it thing. was yeah. um and then you had like the ed 209s from robocop and Robocop was a game as well, so we are about yeah, terrible about it. as well. Yeah, it was an awful <laughs> game. Um, you know, you had Terminator, you had Robocop. Robots in the West have always been this kind of uh, authority figure. Uh, well, yeah, this kind of cold, menacing thing. Yeah, yeah. We don't really have the love for them that they do in the East, and it. You know, does that explain why we don't really see them? Or is it, it'd be a translation thing and in part thing as well, because stuff like uh, Armored Car, uh, Gundam games. I'm a, a yeah. front mission. Zone of the Enders going back a bit further. They, yeah. they don't sell, so it's kind of a waste for these Asian companies, these Japanese companies to import one. They're just wasting money by doing it and not getting the returns. So it just stays in yeah. the Japanese territories. Well, as you said earlier, Zone of the Enders only really sold because it had the demo of Metal Gear Solid Two. That's, ex- that's the only reason why it sold. A very like people played it and think actually this is really good. Yeah, and it was, an, it was I, a happy accident rather than somebody saying Zone of the Enders I'll play that it's a Hideo Kojima game I'll play that I mean, I, I enjoyed Zone of the Enders right from day one I didn't get it because it had Metal Gear Solid to, uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 demo I got it because it was Zone of the Enders yeah. and you know yeah. I like my mechs obviously but uh, that, uh, you know, I'm one of the rare few who bought it for that reason well it kind of, what was it uh, Police Knots that Hideo Kojima did before Metal Gear Solid as well uh, so yeah there's sort of a back yeah. history of the things yeah because um, you know, mechs, uh, mech, robots and mechs appear in Metal Gear. So- Metal Gear, well, you know, Metal, Metal Gear is, itself is a mech. Yeah, because you do. It's not well. The more modern ones in the new one. Uh, uh, number four, number, is, number four are it's like sort of animatonic things. But, yeah, Metal Gear Zilla. And uh, in the new ones, it, the other ones, it was somebody in there. Yeah. So it's it's got both sides to the equation yeah. there, um, but. You know, I, I I'll tell you something. I've played Armored Core on uh, you know on the PS3. <coughs> I thought it was a great game. You know, the the movement was brilliant. You know, you you could fire in all directions. You know, there's destructive environments. I loved Zone of the Enders. I loved Second Runner more. If you've never played, you know, if you're a fan of Zone of the Enders but you've never played Second Runner, you will love Second Runner. They've done a HD re-release of it on the PS3 and the Xbox 360, I think. It's worth checking they, out. They do look fairly rough, though, these HD yeah, things. they do look fairly rough, but uh, Second Runner is worth uh, worth having a play of. Wasn't yeah. the story of there being a third Zone of the Enders, or at least it was hinted at for a while? Uh, it was hinted at for a while. They actually made, like, uh, there was an anime over here, and then there was Dolores Eye, which was a 26-episode series. 
Um, yeah. You know, and they were basically in the universe of Zone of the Enders, but it wasn't like, you know, um, a boy piloting a mech. Kind well, of you thing. say that, but the games were like an anime, the way you shot off projectiles, the flu. That's where the idea off came from. like an anime. Yeah. It was very stylized that way. Yeah, and I, I love the idea of that, you know, I've always wanted to do that in a game and never had the opportunity to. It's very visually exciting. Yeah. yeah it's like, uh, it's unrelated, but your big three, your Bleacher, Naruto, your uh, One Piece games, they're terrible. It's either Dynasty Warriors reskins are really badly put together. Uh, open plane battlers you don't well, have that sort of sense that this is, I am playing an anime yeah. you, and Zombie Enders had that totally you, you have like the uh, kind of uh, Street Fighter style you know 2D fighter or you know kind of 2D 3D fighter yeah. kind of thing um, then you have the kind of Power Stone fighter yeah, which uh, One Piece Grand Battle was it was um, a great game Power yeah. Stone Power Stone was awesome yeah um, but yeah they're not as popular um Maybe it is a cultural thing. Maybe it's something different. Maybe they just don't like the look of them. I'm not sure, really, because regardless of age, whether you're you're someone that's reliving the sort of like fantasies of childhood, or whether it's like an actual child just letting their imagination run wild, everybody at some point has a like a soft spot for robots. And basically, like I don't know, like you, you see in the West, you see a lot of stuff like FIFA and uh, Call of Duty, and that, those sort of games are pushed. But I, I reckon with the Investing like time and the financial backing into it, you could you could come up with some really decent mm. open world, uh, free roaming sort of games based around robots. Potentially, but the Western market super narrow minded. Yeah, I'm not saying the people in it, but the sort of the industry figureheads there super yeah. narrow minded. Yeah, if you don't have six all over the world, if you don't have six million sales. It's a failure. It's a Square Enix through and through. That's okay. their that's their policy. Um, I think what you said there, though, is a key part of it. The 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 figureheads at the top yeah. that are coming out with the content. I think it's it's mainly down to them, um, mm. and really a general lack of creativity. Uh, okay, then, if you could make uh, right, what would you like to see then in a good robot or mech game? Um, you know, just things that you'd like to see. Uh, it could be you know a different setting, a different scenario. Could be open world, whatever you want. Just what you'd like to see. You doesn't. You don't have to go into detail about oh, it. Oh, I can't remember the name of the game now, but it's the guy who did Yakuza. He did a game with robots, sort of a very Terminator futuristic thing, and I can't remember the name. Uh, binary something, binary? Binary Domain. Binary Domain, yeah. yeah. That, I'd like to see that done, but with a developer or a creative mind that could actually make a game rather than just write the story and the characters. Yeah, because he's very anemic in that way. He's very top heavy on the story. Look, yeah, it's not very well put together game. Those I love um, them for what they are, yeah. but the gameplay is kind of chunky. Yeah. I mean, when we were talking earlier, I, I what I wanted to, wanted to see was something a bit like uh, the kind of Fallout setting, but um, you basically have to go out into the world in like a jeep or or on foot and scavenge parts to maintain. You know your weapon of defense, which is basically a giant mech. Yeah, can I change you know. my answer? Yeah, I sued a fifty-one robot game. <laughs> <laughs> Similar as that. I finally remember the name of uh, Lollipop movie. Gundams. <laughs> no, I'm not. But that sounds still pretty good. Gundams with rainbows. <laughs> it was Johnny Five, the name of the movie. Finally remembered. Johnny, Johnny Five. Five. Short Circuit. Yeah, that's the name yeah, of the short robot. Circuit, Johnny Five. Yeah, yeah. There we go. That's all. We mentioned that before, did we? Yes. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. 
<laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, something like that where you had like the you know you had the idea of you just going out in the world and fighting, uh, fighting off other people, you know, you know, to scavenge parts and you know to maintain uh, your robot, but also with the kind of you know the weapon the weapon modification bit from Dead Rising, but applied to kind of a mech instead. So you could have it fire it. So you could find a vending machine full of ca- full of cans of pop that have gone out, you know, that have gone out of date, and convert it into something that can fire cans of pop at another mech. Okay. Anybody else got any? I'd like to see something where it's 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 open world, but also sort of interplanetary like exploration sort of thing. Um, Mass it, Effect with robots, basically. Uh, sort of, but done a bit better. Sort of. Uh, okay. Done a bit better <laughs> okay. than Mass Effect. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm thinking more on the lines. It's your, it's your again, opinion. Again, I'm thinking more on the lines of stuff like Stargate, but obviously recreate yeah. something similar. Um, and the sort of aspect from um, Left for Dead, where you get to not own, where you get to create like your own sort of weapon. So, um, sort of yeah. create from parts that you do scavenge, scavenge. Um, not not only sort of repairing and maintaining yourself, but also reinventing yourself, sort of thing. Actually, that's not a bad idea, being able to re- re- redesign your own body. Well, that's a thing that Armored Core's been doing since the beginning, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Like bits uh, and pieces. But the thing is, the, with Armored Core, one of the things is, there's so many opportunities for you to do that within the games. Um, mm. With What I wanted to do was was make it harder for you to do that, so that you, you were forced to go into the modification stuff more. You couldn't just find new parts. Yeah. Um, Chris, what about you? I'm trying to remember the name of it, but... It was a Final Fantasy game. They're all on a little boost. It's been a long time since I played it. Hmm? I can't remember. I think it was a Final Fantasy game. I got... Just leave me out. I have no idea what I'm talking about anymore. Final Fantasy game? I think so. Are you sure you don't mean Front Mission? Might have been Front Mission. I knew it wasn't by Square. Yeah, Front Mission yeah, with the Max, yeah. yeah. That, probably that one or Shunga. Front yeah. Mission. Probably Front Mission 3. Yeah, yeah. I think so. God, it's been too long. Okay. Yeah. Okay, um... Pick of the Geek, then. Your favourite robot or mech-based game? I have to support uh, Sony and just because it was playing an anime and no game has achieved that, like, yeah. Sony and at all. This is true. I mean, Robotech Invasion tried it. Uh, Robotech Invasion was out on the PS2 and the Xbox. They tried putting the Robotech, uh, you know, because Robotech is basically Macross. Uh, they tried putting it into a game and it just didn't work. Ambitious failure. Yeah, ambitious failure. What about you guys? Can't really say much, really. I haven't played that many uh, robot video games, so I can't pick. You can't pick? Okay. No. I'd, I'd go back to the uh, PS2 version of uh, Robot Wars. That like, Which one? I can't remember which one it was I had. Um, I think Because there was two that came out on the PS2. There was Extreme Destruction, and uh, there's either one Robot, Ro- robot Wars and the... It was at like the uh, the uh, beige case. Yeah, the the one that I got was around the same time the Scorpion King game came out. Um, yeah, You're talking about an awful game that I didn't even bother playing. Yeah, it, it, it was a rip off of um, what was it? Did you ever play that Prince really Persia. horrible online game Robot Rumble? No, I never actually. No, it was like Robot Wars, but it's terrible. I think hmm. uh, that's. Uh, yeah, there was Arenas of Destruction and uh, what was the other one? Uh, I've forgotten the name of it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it was uh, Arenas of Destruction. That's yeah. one that I played. Um, for me, 
it's a tough one because I like uh, Armored Core. Right. Um, but I think I'm going to go with the Transformers game. That Not the PS3 ones. I think it was the PS2 one. Yeah, the one it? that came out on the PS2. Because it wasn't related to a game. It was, it, well, no, it wasn't no, related to a movie. It was just a complete standalone game for Transformers. Yeah, and yeah that was actually it. a really good game as well. I liked it because it was so simple to transform in that. You know, you just press the triangle button and you yeah. could go to weapon mode, press, press the triangle button, you jump in and you start shooting. You know, you can drive in. You can literally drive into Decepticons, yeah. like in Transformers the movie, yeah. the old cartoon one. You know, you can drive into them, knock them over, transform, and start shooting them. It was great. And it was it, everything I wanted in a game. And it also had that Grand Theft Auto sort of free roaming. Yeah, aspect the free roaming aspect well. to it as well. Um, it was mission based, but you know, yeah. uh, it's worth playing if you've never played it. Um, the new Fall of Cybertron game is all right because you can design your own transformer, but I prefer the original. And uh, that's uh, the game section. I yes. Think, uh, yeah. And when we come back, we'll be launching a new section. Yes. The review section. We have, not just reviews, we have... Uh, Iron Man 3. It has yes. to be, really. We also have reviews of uh, Fire Emblem Awakening, Dead Island Riptide, and uh, the uh, new uh, one of the new anime releases from MVM, uh, Gare Zero. Uh, so look forward to it. We're going to take a break. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't entered the competition yet... You have until 7.30 to enter the competition, so half an hour left. You could win that goodie bag from Super Games World. Yo, what's up? It's Ashley Thomas, a.k.a. Bashy, and this is The Gig Show. We are talking uh, me and my giant robot. And no, like I said, it's not a euphemism. Um, But uh, before we get back to that, we do have our new and shiny review section. Reviews. And we have lots and lots of reviews. Uh, I'm going to kick us off. With Dead Island Riptide, and thank you to Dead Good Media for sending us uh, a review copy of it. Uh, we did also get an invite to the launch event, which was a, a zombie wedding. Unfortunately, we couldn't make it. It would have been brilliant. Um, Sounds amazing. Right. Running through this, because we do have uh, a few to get through. Dead Island Riptide is a cross between a sequel and a standalone title. Uh, the game begins with the four survivors from Dead Island and Yerima, the native woman they rescued, aboard the helicopter they escaped in. They spot a ship close by and land on it, only to be captured by soldiers aboard the ship who bind them. Yerima manages to bite one of them. They learn that the island of Banoi has been quarantined and they're handed over to his civilian, Frank Serpo. And in the ship's brig, they meet another person who's immune, John Morgan. Serpo and his scientists conduct a series of tests on the survivors, and whichever character you choose at the beginning of the game wakes up in the brig, alone and unarmed. You quickly learn that the virus is rampant on the ship, which immediately made me think that Yerima is a carrier since she's the only person who bites one of the soldiers and you must find a way to escape. Right. That's the whole thing right at the beginning. You start off the game waking up in a break. Now you can choose one of the original four characters, right? Or you can choose the new character, John Morgan. Or you can import your Dead Island character. Or you can start from scratch with one of the existing builds or you can choose where to apply all your skill points. Uh, enemies will get tougher as you level up and it helps to maintain the challenge throughout the game the controls are fairly straightforward and easy to grasp uh, kicking zombies and stomping them when they're, uh, when they're on the ground never gets old it's always therapeutic there is nothing more therapeutic than that except maybe Metal Gear Rising slashing them to pieces Tower Defense style missions add a degree of variety to the game uh, the audio and visual effects are really good and they do enhance the atmosphere and add a visceral touch to the game uh, weapons can be repaired, upgraded, and modified. As in the original, you can find blueprints to make new weapons, that sort of thing. But there are a lot of problems with Dead Island, and I've got to be honest about these. All those glitches that appeared in the original game, quite a lot of them make a comeback here. 
the graphics aren't much different from the original, uh, although there's more focus on the jungle environment. The new island of Palanoi can appear very familiar to anyone who's played the first game, though. The same flaws in character animation can be found in Riptide, along with a similar degree of inattention in the audiovisual choreography. You'll find that, you know, the timing issues can get annoying sometimes. Uh, the plot doesn't, you know, it doesn't really feel right. It feels like it's been bolted onto the conclusion of the original. And uh, storyline feels very, very derivative. I mean, the whole helicopter landing on the ship in the middle of nowhere, it's very kind of Resident Evil. There's loads of other bits in there that just feel like it's been taken from like uh, Resident Evil games, or a bit from Silent Hill, a bit from 28 Days Later, stuff like that. Missions can be can become very repetitive very quickly. There's lots of fetch quests. Dead Island Riptide has lots of fetch quests, and even some of those fetch quests have fetch quests. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I kid you not. Basically, you have to go to different parts of the island, get this particular item, take it back, and kill lots of zombies along the way. The script is fairly nondescript. Uh, much of the dialogue is hampered by poor acting and characters. Uh, it's difficult to find that you actually care about anybody in the game because the characters aren't really likable from the start. Combat can get clunky and... You would think that a shotgun at close range would be a blow of the head off a zombie, uh, especially when I can kind of tear the head off one with a crowbar. Stamina bar can cause too many interruptions. Uh, it can really interrupt the flow of the combat. It would have been nice if your stamina didn't decrease as quickly. Uh, and, you know, the game is best played in co-op mode. Single-player mode is kind of lacking. It is a lot of fun in co-op, but it's not as much fun in single-player. Um, it's not a bad game, but only if you're a fan of the original or just happen to like killing zombies in first person or simply want to vent your frustration. Uh, unfortunately, it also seems like a wasted opportunity. Instead of basing the action on another tropical land, I mean, if you've seen one zombie-infested tropical paradise, you've seen them all. It would have been nice if they moved the story to a different location, maybe the middle of Siberia, maybe the middle of LA, something like that. You know, move it around a bit so you get different environments, different challenges, maybe different things that you can modify into weapons, stuff like that. That would have been nice to see. And that's basically it. it it's a decent enough game to play, but you can get bored of it very quickly or annoyed with it very quickly. And in a lot of ways, it's frustrating. Anyway, that's that done. Yes. Uh, Iron Man 3 is what I'll be talking about. Yep. Uh, now, it follows on from the events of the Avengers, and I won't talk about what happened there, because we've all seen it, let's be fair. But the point is, uh, Tony Stark, he has trouble sleeping. He can't shake the nightmares that he had from that day. The things, he's world shaken, and he's, he doesn't really know what to think anymore, but he can't sleep because of these nightmares. And also, in the background, is a terrorist called... Uh, the what's he called? I forgot his name now. Mandarin. The Mandarin. Mandarin sorry, the Mandarin. Sorry, call him and, the Satsuma. <laughs> yes, the Mandarin. <laughs> or the Clementine. Uh, and the instant <laughs> difference is the fact that it's not directed by John Favreau anymore. Although he does return as Happy Iron Man's bodyguard, if ever was more redundant job description, he's got it. Uh, but the thing that makes it different is uh, what's he called? Shane Black's dialogue. It's instantly recognisable. It match if you've seen the film Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or any of the. Yeah. Uh, play, oh, I was going to say Police Academy. There, <laughs> I forgot the name of the movies. Which ones? Loaded Weapon. Yeah. Is that right? That sounds wrong. Loaded Weapon. Loaded Weapon one. Lethal Weapon. Sorry. Oh, Lethal, Lethal Weapon. weapon. Oh, Loaded okay. Weapon's a Chinese film. It's completely different. No. But he also he written the was that uh, parody of well as well wasn't it? Yeah, probably. He wrote the Lethal Weapon movies. He directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and his very quick-witted dialogue is a perfect match for Robert Downey Jr. He just delivers it at complete perfection. It's the greatest 
getting uh, Tony Stark on page that I think they'll ever have. It's perfected the formula, really. But what makes it interesting is, unlike the other films where it was all leading up to these big explosions, and although this one is too, the, the fights aren't the most impressive or dramatic or important things about this movie. It's about Tony Stark. It's about the cost that he's had on... Um, the Avengers, it's about him as a person who's he's learning, he, he gets taken out of his circumstances and he gets plumped into the middle of nowhere he's got to learn how to be Iron Man again, he's got to pick himself up from his anxiety mm-hmm. attacks and it's a great performance by Robert Downey Jr as it's bound to be uh, all the usual cast return, there's Guy Pearce making an appearance who does a very great transformation and uh, he's the Mandarin isn't he? Spoiler! <laughs> Guy Pearce he's just the actor isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I don't see how that's a spoiler. It's a huge spoiler. Cheers, Rob. Is it? Yes. Thank you very much. It's an absolute monster of a spoiler. Well done. But it's all over the internet. No, the internet spoils everything. That's it nothing does. to... Uh, I, I haven't seen the movie. The only reason I know he's the, he's the Mandarin is because it's all over the internet. You've ruined it. Because <laughs> there's the moment in it, like there's a moment in Zombieland, which is this absolute moment of comedy perfection. If you tell anybody about it, it ruins it. Oh, and Iron Man has one, and you kind of just gave it away. I have no idea what you're talking about, because I haven't seen the movie. But uh, the point is, it's the dialogue is absolutely stunning. It's a great uh, comedian. It's, it's funnier than it has any right to be. Everybody's on the top of the farm. It's better in every respect. It's like it took three movies to get Iron Man to where it wanted to be. Yeah. Admittedly, it is too long. And that's always the case with these films, but it's it's a fantastic addition to the Marvel uh, series. And having a named director work on it, it continues all of Joss Whedon's goodwill from the Avengers. And I give it a hearty thumbs up, even if Rob spoiled the best moment of it. It's a fantastic, fantastic movie. And it starts off the second phase of the Avengers with great energy. Cool. Such a fun movie. Cool. Two hours fly back at fly by a click. Gonna have to get my tickets as soon as possible. Yeah, and Rob spoiled it. I didn't I wa- spoil it. I, I didn't tell I anybody spoil. what happens. I haven't seen the movie. I won't let you forget that. <laughs> you spoil it. <laughs> it's a fevered cheese dream. <laughs> I feel like I'm the last person to have seen it, but people who will have seen it will know why I'm having a pop at Rob because it is one of those. I haven't seen it. It's Let a genius see. moment. I'm All right, sure. okay. If you're gonna go see it, go see it. Ignore what I just said. Uh, it didn't happen. It didn't exist. We'll wipe it from everyone's memory. I forgot. He spoiled it. With one of those flashy <laughs> things from Men in Black. Uh, but the audio version. There you go. <laughs> uh, moving on. Fire Emblem Awakening. Now, my first encounter with Fire Emblem franchise was Path of Radiance on the GameCube. Now, uh, I've got to give this a little bit of an intro because a lot of people aren't actually aware of the Fire Emblem franchise. I love Fire Emblem. I think it's one of the best RPG fran- tactical RPG franchises out there, if not the best. Um, now, there are a few... Final Fantasy Tactics, XCOM, that sort of thing. It first appeared on the Famicom in 1990, and uh, Intelligent Systems have been doing the games ever since then. Most of the games in Fire Emblem have been done by them. Paper Mario, Thousand Year Door, they've done all sorts of games for Nintendo. Um, They're kind of an in-house development team from Nintendo that became an independent studio, but still linked closely with Nintendo. The story is, Trom, or Crom, the Prince of the Halidom of Elise, and his companions maintain peace within the country during its war with uh, Plagia, a neighbouring country. Unfortunately, a dark force called the Risen threatens both nations and the entire world. You wake up at the beginning of the game and then you get to design your own character. Now, it's the first time in the Fire Emblem franchise that you can actually design one of the main characters. 
right? Um, permadeath, it's still a prominent part, part of the game. Now, for those of you who don't know what permadeath is, it's basically the idea that if you lose a character, that's it, they're gone from the game. You can't bring them back. That's clever. Right. Now, Fire Emblem is one of the few games, gaming franchises where this exists, and this is one of the reasons why, it, why I think it's a brilliant, brilliant game. Because your characters can die if you are stupid, mm-hmm. if you don't plan properly. This is where the tactical element comes in. It's a simple interface for battles, which makes it easier to get get to grips with some of the more intricate tactics. Mm. Uh, the relationships, though, and this is where Fire Emblem Awakening takes a step away from the uh, from the usual. Relationships play a major part in the game, and the mechanics are almost as complex and deep as the tactical battle elements. Uh, managing the character relationships is essential, although the player is free to pair up unlikely partners. Right. And the ultimate offshoot of that is that marriage between the characters grants some interesting bonuses, but if you want to find out what they are, then you'll have to play the game, because I'm not going to spoil that. Top-down view, right? It is a top-down view for much of the game. It seems a little basic, but uh, they give way to some very good CG cutscenes, especially the battle scenes. And these, there's a lot of... There's, like, four different styles of art in there. There's the anime style for, like, battle scenes. There's CG. There's uh, kind of a brushed watercolour portrait style for some of the character portraits there's the it's a very 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 good looking game and there's plenty of these cutscenes scattered throughout the game the class change system is fairly straightforward and it's uh, it's gradually introduced into the game but it's basically so it's not just kind of dumped on you mm-hmm. like the job system was in final fantasy or in dragon quest uh, sentinels of the starry skies you're gradually introduced to it and it does actually become an integral part of the game and it can become quite complex in its own right as well. Uh, the story may be a standard sword and sorcery uh, affair, but it's also very enjoyable and actually quite involving. Uh, newcomer mode has been added for the first time outside of Japan because it was only available in Japan on, like, I think it was the uh, previous game. And that's basically for those of you who don't like the idea of permanent death. There's classic mode, newcomer mode. Classic mode, if your character dies, that's it, they're gone from the game. Newcomer mode, if your character dies, then you know you can kind of reset and get the character back. There's lots of opportunities to grind in this game. You've got 25 chapters, loads of what they call paralogues, which are basically side quests and loads of different challenges. There is free and paid-for DLC available. The latter, the paid-for DLC, including an extra 25 chapters, which will feature characters from other games in the Fire Emblem franchise. Right. Now, those are all the positive things. Moving on to the what I call in the, for this game the not really negatives, because they're not really negatives. They're just kind of a personal choice. Uh, managing relationships can involve lots of trial and error, so be prepared to be frustrated a lot, right? Because you may pair uh, make certain pairings and they just don't work. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, they might not. They just might not work. It's just that chemistry kind of thing, and I like that about it. The aggressive AI can wipe you out very, very quickly if you are unprepared for it. If you Basically, if you think that you can just charge into a fight with a bunch of your characters and win, you are very, very, very mistaken. It's not going to happen. You, you will die quickly. And if you, that, if you continue to think like that, you'll die quickly a lot. Yeah. Even the game's easiest mode, which is normal, that will happen. The game's hard mode is called Lunatic for a reason. The characters do talk a lot. I mean, there is a lot of conversation in this game, but that's part of the relationship system as well. You know, your characters can talk to each other. You can build relationships between the characters. The ultimate aim is to get different characters married off with different characters because you need those bonuses in order to finish the game. Unlike 
games like Advance Wars, XCOM, Final Fantasy Tactics, stuff like that, Awakening has a steep learning curve, which, when combined with the permadeath, can become very frustrating very quickly if you are not prepared for it. If you don't like games like chess, then you probably won't like this game. But if you are a fan of strategy, if you're a fan of RPGs, especially the tactical kind, if you're a grinder, and I don't mean that in kind of the uh, mobile <laughs> app. <laughs> I thought you were talking about R. Kelly. Yeah, if you, uh, no, no, I'm not talking about R. Kelly, who I'm right. sure is from Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm not talking about that, or about the kind of mobile app called Grinder. If you're, if you like grinding levels, right, then this is definitely a decent game. Intelligent Systems, they have made another brilliant addition to the franchise, and unlike Square Enix's Final Fantasy franchise. Fire Emblem continues to stay true to its tactical RPG roots uh, while building something new into the game, into the interface. I've got to say, if Zelda is the king of Nintendo RPGs, then Fire Emblem is definitely the heir to the throne, and I would say it's definitely the king of tactical RPGs. Nice. Yeah. This is this is definitely handheld game of the year material, without Not doubt. Um, that is available on 3DS, and it is out now in the shops. So go and get it if you have the money to go and get it. Do it. It's worth playing. Right, moving on, final review. And this, thanks to uh, Tony over MVM. Uh, we love you, Tony. Uh, this is Garay Zero. Now, regular listeners will know I have talked about Garay Zero in the past. The uh, story is a prequel to the Garay manga. Um, basically, members of the Supernatural Disaster, uh, Disaster Countermeasures Division of the Ministry of the Environment, uh, they, uh, they're basically exorcists, oh. demon hunters, that sort of thing. They deal with the... Uh, they're the things that, you know... It's a bit like Mike Mignola's BPRD, uh-huh. you know, from Hellboy. Yeah. They're, you know, the things that go bump in the night, they're the, they're the ones that bump back, right? Now, this story is all about two high school girls, one called Yomi, one called Kagura. Right. Now, the mistaken thing is that they are sisters, they're not. They, you know, Yomi and Kagura are like sisters, but they're not actually blood-related. Yeah. Uh, Kagura becomes an orphan because her father is, uh, is one of the most powerful exorcists in this, uh, in this organi- you know, in this countermeasures division, but he dies, and he passes on the guardian spirit to Kagura, which ultimately means that she will die quite young because, wow. you know, that's the curse of having that spirit. All right, cool. um, Yomi is, uh, you know, chosen as the next head of a particular household. She's got a fiance. She's due to get married. Everything is looking good in Yomi's life, right? Kagura comes to live with them. The two of them get really close. They are, you know, all sisters in all but uh, in all but name. Right. Um, now the tagline for this on the back of the DVD is their deadliest threat comes from one of their own. The tagline for the actual anime is, "Will you come s- kill someone you love because of love?" I don't like either of those two taglines because I think that uh, I think that there's a set, there's a phrase at the end uh, uh, of the series, and if you want to find out what it is, uh, but it is all about death. It is all about you know what you can kill. Watch the series; you'll understand what I mean. Anyway, back onto this. The DV- uh, overall, this is one of, this is one of those anime that I gave an eight to when it came out in uh, in its original Japanese. And I see no real reason to change that just uh, for the Western DVD release. The animation quality, you know, it ha- it's not as crisp as s- some of the more modern releases because this is a couple of years old now, but it is still very, very good. There are lots of very, very good effects in this. The story is actually quite complex. 
Um, it's it's surprisingly complex, given that people don't focus so much on the story. Critics of this series will focus on the fact that there are certain shoujo eye elements, basically, girl, you know, girl, girl in love with girl elements. Mm-hmm. Those aren't really there. They're just basically. Uh, it's basically just there as kind of a tease. It's basically Yomi teasing Kagura, right. you know, um, because they're both like sisters. And so, like an older sister, she teases her younger sister. But yeah. Yomi has a fiancé who she's in love with. Uh, everything goes wrong for, uh, you know, in, and you end up with a fight between Yomi and Kagura. But I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to explain any more than that. Right. Now, the dub quality is very, very good for this. The, in, in the Japanese version, you know, the uh, script, the dialogue, it's all very, very good. You know, it does make sense. It does flow. The dub quality in West, uh, you know, for in English is also very good. The ADR has been handled uh, very well, and the script is decent enough. Now, there is one big difference between the Japanese and the English dub, and that is when it comes to the names, right? Western actors, and I have no idea why, they have an inability to pronounce Japanese names. And there is nothing harder on my ears, being so used to hearing anime in in Japanese and hearing the correct pronunciation uh, of certain names, right? In the very first episode, a guy calls his wife Aoi. Now, that's the kind of thing that I would say when I stub my toe, right? Especially if, you know, my nephew nephew was about and I didn't want to swear. It sounds yeah. like a particular brand of German car as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not Aoi, it's Aoi. It means blue. That's one of my biggest criticisms about this. Right. Yeah, um, but that's really the only criticism I'm going to give. Uh, the collection is three discs long. It is the entire collection. It's going to be out. Uh, it's coming out in May. Uh, it is worth getting. Definitely worth getting. Um, watch it in English, all of the original Japanese. There are a few timing issues with the English dub, but there's going to be because it's a different language, right? The uh, the you know when it, in Japanese you don't get those time you won't get as many of those timing issues. Yeah. It's basically because it's a dub in a different language, and you will get that. Uh-huh. There's nothing you can do about that, short of you know really really focusing on you know what you're saying. Um, there's a couple of extras. There's location specials, a promo video. There's a textless opening song and a textless ending, uh, closing song. It's a nice kind of DVD setup. The extras aren't really that special, but then again, this is not a special edition. You know, this is just the standard collection released on DVD. And in the main, it's worth getting. If you have the money, get it because it is worth watching. Now, that's the end of that. We do have others from MVM, because Tony gave us uh, their May releases. We are going to be reviewing more of them next week. Unfortunately, we didn't have the time to review them this week. Um, Gary Zero will be out in the shops in May. I'm Susan Arndt, and you're listening to The Geek Show on 104.5 CVFM, because you have excellent taste. And uh, this week, we are discussing giant robots. And welcome back to the... Uh, the animation and comics section. Yes, me and my robot strolling <laughs> down the park with me. Now this is the first section we've actually uh, come across in the show where examples of robots, giant robots, any type of robots is hugely bountiful compared to everything else. Oh yeah, absolutely. You've been clutching at straws for everything else, but now it's it, take it's your like, pick. Yeah, you know? it, it is. It, it, it's totally weird that. You know, only in like, I mean, mainly animation, not so much graphic literature, uh, or Western graphic literature, I should say. You know, Eastern, okay, you have like uh, various manga, but it's yeah. mainly animation. 
It's mainly in cartoons that you find, you know, mechs and giant robots, and that's yeah. totally weird. I don't think it. Pardon me. I don't think it translate particularly well as a comic book. But then again, I, say, I think the same thing of uh, martial arts. I don't think martial arts particularly translates well to like a comic book. So what do I know? That's just my theory. That's just your theory. That's just my theory. I don't know. I think. Uh, I, I, oh, you haven't seen Kenichi though. So, no, no, I haven't. Uh, this is the thing. Uh, Kenichi was all about my history. Strongest, strongest disciple, Kenichi. Um, it didn't translate as well as as oh. well as kind of a modern anime w- uh, might do it. Oh, but dirty fan service. Oh. I, I don't like the fan service in it either. But the core elements of the martial arts and stuff like that, the fights themselves, they were actually worth watching. I'm not saying that. I'm saying as far as translating from one format to the other. Yeah, I think martial arts is like robots. I don't think they particularly work well on animated form, not on, uh, on book form. Yeah, whatever you call it, comic I, form. Yeah, uh, they don't because you need that movement. You need that sense of movement. It's difficult to achieve that. But it's yeah. something not quite humanoid, and you can't really stress that through yeah. just a, a single pin. I mean, when you're talking about animation, if you think about something like Dragon Ball. They kind of got around the whole idea of, you know, throwing punches and kicks by just making them disappear to make them look like they were being thrown really fast. How was that done in the comic? Well, the thing is, they just they just kind of, you know, they had that kind of speed line bit. You know, when they disappeared and there's like a sonic boom where they yeah. punch each other and block. Yeah. How was that? Is that just speed lines in the it's comic? It's just like speed lines. It's very similar to the... If you pause, the, pause a scene where Goku and whoever else are fighting each other and you see... It's basically it's very similar to that in the manga, um, but then you've got something like Fist of the North Star, Okto no Ken, uh, where yeah. you actually see all the punches. You know they've got like a little outline of all the punches. You see like you don't see the arm, you just see his shoulder, him, and then the punches at the end, and there's like hundreds of them. It's a bit of a silly series, that. <laughs> it, it is, but it's a manly series. Yes. The, the weird thing is, uh, and we'll get back on robots in a second. Do you remember the, the original Street Fighter 2 movie? Uh, I don't. The one that was famous for Chun-Li. Yeah. I'm not finishing that sentence. Yeah, the one that was famous for Chun-Li. Yeah. Right. It was the bit at the end of Chun-Li's fight with... Uh, with and I am going to call him Balrog because he's not called Vega. He's actually called Balrog because uh, M. Bison was the boxer. Now you're just getting into other complications. Just no, they had, had to change the name because of Mike Tyson. It's, not the, it's not the point, but your point being. Yeah. Your point anyway, is. Vega, ba- uh, Balrog, whatever you want to call him. Uh, it was the end of the fight when Chun-Li does her, uh, you know, the kicks. Right? The way they did that was uh, actually quite effective because it was basically from, the, uh, from the yeah. Vega's point of view. And basically all you saw was the after image of the kick hitting him. Okay. Yeah, which was an interesting way of doing it. How does that relate to robots? I said we'll come back to robots. We were talking about the after images. I thought you were coming to the point. No, we're get, coming like, back to making robots. Making a point, you know, and getting back to robots. I was just saying that that was a nice way of doing the whole uh, martial okay. arts bit because okay. you started on martial arts. Okay, I was just using fault. it. As, I was just using it as a point to sort fault. of don't deny it. It's your fault. Put my theory out there. But. Guilty. <laughs> back to robots, though. Yes. Okay. Back to robots. Um, yeah. Where are we? Uh, what's the difference then between mechs and giant robots? You pretty much said it though, haven't you? Is the mech is something you jump in? A giant robot is the uh, individual being. Like, I think. It? I think Neon Genesis is, is kind of both. Is it? I'm not getting into the nitty gritty. No, it's always with the nitty because gritty. Because we mentioned Zone of the Enders. 
And in Zone of the Enders, Dolores Eye, the the mech is actually self-aware as well. Mm. But that's a miss. That's a shaky ground. That's grey areas. An awkward silence. Yeah. Shut you right up. Is it? <laughs> yes. Is it? Just get on with it. Just get on with it. <laughs> is <know>. it? <laughs> You're annoying, Rob, you know that. <laughs> I know. Get on with it. <laughs> no, okay. Um, we all know that mechs uh, are something that you jump in. It's basically, like, just, I mean, it's a big powered suit or it's like, uh, you know, human transportation. You know, mechs, buses, stuff like that, you know, troop carriers, that kind of thing. If I can get in a mech instead of a bus, I'd do that every day. Yeah, well, you can because they've uh, made one in Japan that can that's actually road legal as well. What sweet! Or at least in Japan, anyway. It's that one that we uh, that doesn't really about say last, much. Uh, we talked about it last year. Uh, it was on display uh, somewhere in uh, somewhere in Tokyo. Uh, they took it to a festival. Some engineer basically oh, wow. built an entire mech. It fires BB gun pellets as well. That's impressive. Um, but yeah. Coming soon to a police force near you. No lasers, no sale. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, so the biggest difference then is that robots can act independently of a pilot. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, sorry, what? Uh, robots are sort of sentient beings and mechs. Usually uh, controlled by somebody who's in them. Hmm. Usually, I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of the yeah. ex- exceptions. I mean, the thing is, the Evangelion, uh, the Mexican Evangelion, they were more like living creatures yeah, no, that's without a brain. I'm not, I'm not standing up for the series, but that's exceptional for that reason. Yeah. Um, you know, they were more like living creatures without a brain. The pilot then just beca- kind of became the brain. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, there, there's a few... There's, the thing is, there's loads and loads of actual mech shows. You know, there's all your Gundams, your Macrosses, Gunbuster, you know... Um, Gunbuster was a weird one because you had mechs and then you had like the uh, the Gunbuster itself mm-hmm. but then Gainax did uh, Die Buster or D Buster whatever you want to call it um, which was made to celebrate their 20th anniversary have that Neon Genesis fans um, <clears throat> I don't want to just say this we don't pick on Neon Genesis fans all the time so we're very sorry if you're very... I gave it a 5 okay that's you Lord. deal with it <laughs> people love it so you know. people love it I give it a 5 because of the lack of Gendo which led to all sorts of problems yes, with the, we're with not the actual about that. we're not talking about that shut up yeah. with the logical framework of the story <laughs> anyway um, right where was I yes Die Buster Die Buster kind of crossed that divide because you had these kind of mechs that were that were also you know self, they had a, an element of self-awareness to them because they could sometimes act independently but then you had uh, you, you had Nono herself, who was basically a mech, but she was a robot. She was basically uh, one of the Buster machines. Uh, I think she was number seven, and she had Buster Legion with all these kind, tiny little swarm robots that she controlled. Yeah. You know, and this is the thing. She, uh, she was a robot in her own right. She wasn't something that could be piloted. And it was interesting how they moved away from the kind of powered suits to the giant mech of Gunbuster, and then in the 20th anniversary, they basically made made a robot as the lead character. Okay. But robots by themselves, they're not really that common. How do you mean? Robots, are, in, in terms of anime especially, they're not actually as common as people think. Because when people think about... This is why I said, what's the difference between mechs and, uh, and giant robots? Mechs, there's all your Gundams. There's always a Gundam series every season. Always. It's one of the things that you can be guaranteed. There's going to be something Gundam coming out. Macross, 
few and far between. But there are very, very few actual shows that have a robot in them. Uh, Hero Man had a robot. Was that the Stan Lee one? The Stan Lee one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Giant Robo had a robot. Yeah. Die Buster had a robot, you know. And these are robots that have a certain degree of independence from their controllers. Ultimo as well? Ultimo, which is a manga. Yeah. All that robot. But they are all weapons. They are all... That's where it all falls down to. So they're not the most diverse... Well, actually, no, because Hero Man isn't a weapon. Hero Man is a toy. Ultimo can turn into a mech as well, though, can't Yeah. It's not only that comes a gigantic weapon. Yeah. Now, what I'm getting at, though, is the fact that eventually, at some point in the process, they are all weapons. Yeah. So as a sort of storytelling tool, robots, mechs, whatever it is, isn't the most varied of places for it, comics or anime. It, it's, you know, you, you would think that, but it's it all depends on what you do with them, right? Um, take Giant... I, I've mentioned Giant Robo uh, uh, quite a few times. I love that series. Giant Robo was... It was only the fact that Giant Robo was, you know, the world's most powerful robot, and the series... Uh, the whole series is an homage to one man's work, one man's entire body of work in manga, which is why the art style is the way it is. But it only takes the name Giant Robo because, uh, you know, from Giant Robo. But the entire series is less about Giant Robo and more about the battle between the experts of justice and Big Fire. And more about the the price that the experts of justice have to pay in order to defend the world from evil. And that's one. The, that's the main reason I like it. There's, it's very much a kind of human drama with lots of big robots kind of thrown in. It's very much the legacy of what uh, what is left to you by your parents. You know, what do you do with that legacy? You know, that's why I like it. Hero Man was uh, all about, uh, you know, it was another boy in his robot story. It was all about the boy becoming a hero, yeah. you know, getting the girl at the end, everything, saving the world, everything like that. You know, it, was, it was Astro Boy, but yeah. with a toy robot and, uh, and another kid. You know. um, but then, yeah, you do have Astro Boy as well, and you just fight giant robots in that. It does indeed. Um, then you have monsters versus aliens, I suppose. Not really. You've got a giant robot in monsters versus aliens. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's very minute a role. Okay, what about the Iron Giant then? What's the Iron Giant? It's not about violence. It's a boy and his friend, his best friend. It's the same as Hero Man to a degree, but rather than him being uh, sort of a tool for him to become a hero. It's just a friend. He's got no friends. He's alone. It's mm. basically E.T., but with a robot. Actually, yeah. And that's an interesting way to use robots. I lo- see, the thing is, we uh, we love the Iron Giant because it is different from yeah. the usual way of do- using robots. Because, like you said, invariably, they're always weapons. I mean, Iron Giant's the most badass of badass robots, but that's yeah. only in a little bit when he gets when he, When he loses his temper, when he thinks that... Uh, Hog- he thinks uh, Elliot is it Elliot Hogarth. Yeah, I'm thinking of ET again. Yeah. Hogarth. When he thinks Hogarth's <laughs> dead, I will say Elliot. that I, I will say that the Iron Giant is better than ET. I don't care who think, disagrees. It's true. I'm sorry, but that last scene when he smiles at the when he smiles at the end on his way into the sky, and he's and you know he got Hogarth saying, you know, you are what you choose to be. You choose, and then he just smiles and closes his eyes and goes, Superman. I love that part. It's great. Yeah. Such a yeah. good film. Yeah, always, uh, you know, everyone I know always chokes up at that bit, including me. Okay. 
I'll admit to it. Matters. It's the Iron Giant. I'll freely admit to choking up at that bit. This is not an Iron Giant loving. Why not? Well, that's pretty one-dimensional. <laughs> okay, look. Um, if you... Uh, okay. If you take away the weapon, then, what, if, what do you have left with most of these robots? Not a lot. Exactly. You know, it's not really one-dimensional to say that we like the Iron Giant because it's daring to be different, you know. Um, it's more to say that nobody has really thought about a different way to use robots apart from, say, the Iron Giant. Because I suppose it sells. Yeah. It's the shonen mentality. It's not the most uh, progressive of art forms, but mm. it's people... It's fight of the week. It's people beating each other up, and that sells. That's what people yeah. want to see. Well, they don't want to see the drama or the characters. They want to see this huge technique that yeah. takes up half the screen and glows and blows up a lot. Yeah, this is true. And the same um, sort of uh, mentality translates over to... Uh, Max, you can have this sci-fi take on that, but it's essentially the same. Big explosions of yeah. the actual character of a, a robot or a universe. Hmm. What about something like Tengen, Topical, and Lagan then? Half a good series. Half a good series. Half. When they go to the future, it's absolute horrific. Yeah. It's, uh, but the actual idea, it, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Nice art style, but it's not the most dramatically nourishing of things again I'm insulting their fans but you know it's going to be a horde of people waiting for me and you outside you know that it's my opinion the gathering I can see them (laughs) go and look on for me Neon Genesis for you yeah but I've had more years of uh, annoying Neon Genesis fans yeah that's true they leave me alone now I don't know why we've got out of the system maybe I doubt it but uh, have we got a pick of the Yes, we do. We do have a pick of the geek. Um, your favourite animated or graphic literature-based mech or robot? I think I'm going to have to go last on this one. Anybody want to jump in? Anybody? I'm afraid not. Not for me. Because I know you're going to say the Iron Giant. I can't. It's it's kind of overdone. Yeah, true. Um, so you're not even going to say Gundam, even though you love I, Gundam? I love Gundam so much, but like... The actual mangas that I've read, the good ones haven't been turned into an actual anime. What about from anime? From anime, I'd have to say double zero. Double zero. Double zero all the way. Uh, I do like Unicorn. Unicorn was great. Yeah. And uh, Gundam Age, that was interesting. The whole yeah. generations of the three fathers from grandfather and son. Great. See, I, I like the idea. You know, I like the idea of that. It's the that, last season that came out as well, and that yeah. was years ago, I think. They, uh, they haven't come out with anything new besides the development movies. Exactly. You know, but I like the idea of that telling the story through the generations, which was a nice Definitely. take on it. But still, it was uh, they're all weapons. Yeah, they were. They were useful. You know, weapons, uh, I do actually have uh, one show that uh, you just reminded me mm. something very v- that uses robots in a completely different way. Well, uh, giant robots. I've got uh, two choices. Not giant, but Cashin uh, from Cashin Sins. Oh yes, be. good choice. And uh, Frankie and Shogun Frankie from One Piece. <laughs> Shogun Frankie. I just have to. I'm, I'm very one-dimensional when it comes to this stuff. No, no, I'm, I, I, I'm not disputing Shogun Frankie, and I'm definitely not disputing Cashin. Um, but you've just reminded me. Um, I'm gonna have to go with it because. It's it needs the attention. It is brilliant, brilliant franchise. Pat Labar. What? 
and I am amazed that I didn't think of it before. Okay. Right, Pat Labor is the only franchise in anime that I know of where mechs are used in things like police, uh, in like law enforcement, construction, that sort of th- you know, uh, drilling for you know, drilling for you know, heavy industry, that sort of thing. It's used in the in that way. It's basically mechs. Is, mechs have become part of everyday life. Isn't this the Mamoru Yoshi thing? The guy who did Mamoru Yoshi. Yeah, I can't remember. It was either Ghost in the Shell or Akira, one of the two. No, no, uh, it was a uh, was it Ghost in the Shell? Mamoru Oshii, because so, yeah. uh, uh, it was Otomo Katsuhiro Otomo did. Yeah, uh, yeah that's Akira. the one. Um, but yeah, Ghost in the Shell has a degree of it as well. Yeah, it does. Um, but I Pat Lavoie, I will have to go with because um, it's not so much one uh, particular mech from Pat Lavoie, even though the uh, the one that they use in the police force is really cool. But uh, and he's carrying this giant revolver, and there's a scene in the lift. It's it's brilliant in the mo- in one of the movies. There's a scene in the lift where the where the robot's going up, and she, you know the because re- it, it's a revolver. She has to remove the, these giant bullets. They're like this, you know. And for those of you who can't see, like them, tank bullets. Basically. They're like tank bullets, and she has to load them into the revolver oh. herself. That's great. <laughs> and then climb back into the cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a brilliant idea, but. Uh, Pat Labar I love because it used robots in a different way. It's the only thing, aside from the Iron Giant, that I can think of where they were used in a different way. They weren't automatically weapons. Even though they they had them in the military and they were weapons, they weren't automatically weapons. They were tools. Is Real Obo uh, you? Um, Favourite anime comic robot? Or mech? Or cartoon? I'm struggling to think of... Um ones from uh, anime because the ones that I've got are, are all from films so like ED209 from Robocop and stuff like Sonny from actually he was in a comic there are Robocop comics that's true they so are. he does count alright fair enough and not very right but hard working and very loyal <laughs> he says as he shoots a Terminator in the back of the head yeah absolutely. Robocop versus Terminator folks great book uh, I like that one I'd possibly say uh, Unicorn as well from uh, Transformers. Well, I... From what? Transformers? The movie. Unicorn. Unicron. 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 So that yes. was our pick of the gig. Just a reminder about that competition. Yes. One it final has time. closed. Um, any entries after 7.30 will not be accepted, unfortunately. And we have had lots of entries and you are going to pick a number for us. I am indeed. Random number generator, Chris. Here it comes. And the number is two. Number two. Okay, so the winner is William Hallam in Sutton. Well done. Congratulations, William. You've Congratulations. won that goodie. Yeah, well he's done. won that goodie bag. I'm not interrupting you. Just go on. What? Congratulations. Yes, and we'll be sending the prize. Yes, the prize will be sent to you in the next few days. Uh, so expect it soon, William. Um, commiserations to all of you who entered and didn't win, unfortunately. Uh, but we are having, we are going to be having more competitions coming up soon. So uh, keep an ear out for them. There's going to be lots of nice stuff to win. Mm. So, yes. Um, we are, unfortunately, coming to the end of the show. Before we go, one thing I want to know. What are we doing next week? Uh, I don't know. That's an interesting question. If you want to suggest us anything, of course, we are free to. Anything it. but the drawing on Mars. Anything but that graffiti. 
Right. Okay. We'll talk okay. about anything but uh, anything but that and smartphone sheets. <laughs> Even though you just talked about it earlier. Yes. We're not talking about it again. There's okay, an embargo so, on it now. Okay. Well. Uh, well, there's all sorts we could talk about. There's all sorts we could talk about. Aliens. We could have a summer preview. He, he really wants to talk about Heroes aliens. And villains. Yeah. We could have a summer season yeah. preview. We could do. Because there is lots coming out in the summer and it is a very big yes. period for things. Yes. Um, but well, you'll find out next week. We'll tune in at the same time. Yes. If you do have a, have any suggestions of things that you want us to talk about, let us know. Email us, studio at thegeekshow.co.uk or tweet us, uh, hashtag thegeekshow or... TGS underscore at TGS underscore the Geek Show. I've been Rob. I've been Chris. And I've been Israel. And I've been Rob. Yes. Goodbye. For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.